Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Lucy Cecil. And I'm Olivia Taylor. Oh, listeners, we just had a bit of a bit of trouble there trying to uh, get, it was like the old days, like the good old days where I would, was completely unable to ever do an intro ever without bursting out laughing. Oh, the days of your, our salad days, Lucy. Absolutely. And um, actually that uh, reminds me that I, um, well, I wanted to wish you a, I mean, it's now in the past, but for us in the record, it's in the future, a happy Valentine's Day. Um, and in doing so, I, I, I was sort of thinking, oh, what, what kind of Valentine's Day content could we potentially uh give our listeners this year and I was like what what did we even do last year like I couldn't I couldn't remember so I just had a quick listen to the beginning of the episode uh that was our Valentine's Day around the time Valentine's Day episode and it began with (laughs) me complaining about being tired because we had too many social engagements (laughs) at that point I turned it off (laughs) get lost past self I know fuming with myself now absolutely fuming I can't believe it past you I know so rude um but yes uh but still a happy valentine's day from me to you one podcast girlfriend to another (laughs) likewise likewise and just so you know I will be heading off to Marks and Spencer's food tomorrow for my love sausage so um why break the habit of a lifetime and I was thinking actually I know we're not doing any um dedicated valentine's content but have you ever done that quiz to work out what your love language is no not not like a specific actual quiz but i'm i'm are there like are there actual ones like categories yeah so there are actual categories let me see if i can um remember them so there are five love languages so words of affirmation acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time and physical touch. So tend to all have like a top one or two and then the other ones don't like rank as highly. But, um, you know, for most of us, there's like a a prevailing winner or or two winners um, that most people have. And you can be in a relationship or relationships with other people who have totally different love languages to you. Like you don't need to have the same one in order to like be compatible with your partners or whatever. But the idea is that in knowing each other's love languages, you can better like serve the other people in the relationship and like communicate better because you can understand like what means a lot to them, which might not mean a lot to you. So for me, like my top one is acts of service. So like if somebody like helps me to do something that I'm really like struggling to do, I find that like amazing or like if someone helps me to don't know like if I'm stressed and they're like okay like I'll help you with this thing then I like appreciate that loads it means more to me that like someone's like if someone like takes the the bin out I'm like thank you so much like I I love I like appreciate that so much or like if someone like like, cook something for me I love that yeah Um, yeah I don't know what my like love language is in terms I'm not sure what my love language is in terms of like what I want really but I do know that like my favorite thing my my way of like showing love is like by probably like access specifically cooking (laughs) I will always just I will cook I will cook for whoever until it's all okay until everything's fine (laughs) well this is why we've got a good thing going 
<laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Now I understand. Okay. And my, yeah. uh, yeah, my, my, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'll be, intri- I'm going to do, I'll do a quiz and I'll report back and let you know what my okay. love language is. God, I've missed your food so much. Oh, <laughs> I've missed cooking for you. <laughs> what would you, okay. If we were, if we were together on, on this Valentine's day as podcast girlfriends, what would be the three course meal that you would cook for me? Go. Okay. We're starting off with, um, a nice, um, Oh yeah, no, we're absolutely starting with clotted lobster. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So we've got a clotted lobster starter, nice like lobster tail with like a gorgeous salad, fennel fennel salad. Oh yeah, that's stunning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then- Bit of citrus. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Fennel and orange salad, fennel and blood orange salad with a clotted lobster. Stunning. (laughs) And then we're moving straight into, I think our main has to be just like, uh, it's not like the most- um amazing um like food maybe but no I know what I want to make you but I'm gonna make my homemade version of is the ravioli pasta with the tomato mascarpone sauce which we always have before a night out which is usually you know like your store-bought from co-op or whatever but I'm gonna make it for you a homemade version oh my god our going out staying in pasta exactly and then dessert dessert has to be a banoffee pie because that's our dessert you yeah. know everyone knows that about us <laughs> so, oh, so that's our three courses that sounds really nice sounds so nice well look when it's when it's allowed i think that we we deserve to get the clotted lobsters in um, as soon as possible stack them and, up um, i i look forward to it and also um a wide selection of beers and a wide selection of wines oh definitely yeah they'll we'll we'll pair i will pair each each course will be paired with a stubby of choice (laughs) (laughs) from a selection of value supermarkets absolutely yeah oh the beer the beer dior's will be popping off Uh, but anyway, apart from absolutely wanting to do that, what are you living and longing for this week? Well, Lucy, um, I am living for, I have to say, it was something that our friend um, shared earlier on today. And I'm absolutely living for Lucy Lou's very sapphic art. So I know that you've seen this as well. It's very impressive. It looks like Lucy Lou is getting real into um the world of art and artistry and is making some absolutely gorgeous kind of contemporary um, paintings that are of what can only be described as highly entwined sapphic bodies. Absolutely. Yeah, they are stunning pieces. I love that they're all like massive as well. You know, they're huge, big canvases in her what must be amazing studio wherever she lives. Um, Yeah, she's very, um, she's leaning into um, that that uh style and yeah totally here for it am i longing for this week it's so hard to find something to long for when we don't know when we're allowed to like look forward to anything so this is the perennial issue that we have we didn't think about this when we started the podcast two years ago lucy but we should have had a a pandemic plan just in case we should have had a strategy we should have had a strategy it's it's a failure on our part um but we live and we learn and we long. And what I am longing for this week is to use my new colander. I did see that your old colander, unfortunately, is 
was is no longer with us um and i was very sad because i i i feel attached to that colander having strained many a ravioli short shot bought ravioli in it um, i mean uh, the thing what? is the colander little baby colander was never really fit for purpose she was too small she was plastic and she'd seen better days to be honest but it was it was really just kind of I was keeping her around for the nostalgia factor because um as I said to you I um picked her up at a freshers fair at Sheffield University in 2008 and she has been with me ever since so a bit of mental maths a 13 year old plastic colander from the freshers fair Jesus Christ made it this far um she has lived in various shitty houses she's come back home with me she has come to this flat and she's really seen some things and by god she's seen a lot of going out past her so um yeah she's finally had to um retire herself to the bin today and my new colander has arrived and she's stainless steel and she's looking pretty large and in charge so a lot of pasta is going to be in there honestly when we can go out again we'll be buying multi-packs oh yeah raviolis i mean they're usually just... on the deal so we'll be fine yeah <laughs> we'll be we'll be draining with reckless abandon and um yeah you know you've got to you've got to put a bit of ceremony around things in life at the moment so um that is for better or worse what i am longing for this week what are you living and longing for well i am living for so recently i have um so I know, I think I spoke on the podcast about the fact that in my flat, we, uh, Adam purchased a Nintendo Switch in order to uh, lighten our days um, during the darker winter months of this um, time of our lives. And um, recently I've started playing this game, which is like a co-op game where you get to play together. It's called Unravel. And you're like these two cute little like, um, I like sort of sort of like stick people made of yarn and you're connected by like a string and you have to like go around all these scenarios and like help each other by like swinging and like climbing and stuff and it's just such a cute game and I'm really living for it because it's like nice to I like I found like playing video games very satisfying in the pandemic because it's like a really it makes time pass quite quickly which is nice (laughs) um and it's like something to do that actually kind of engages your brain as well in a sense and is fun but it's nice to do that but also with somebody else so like you're not just on your own playing as well so um i'm really living for that i would recommend it as a game if anyone's into games and they want one to play with like a housemate partner or whoever um it's called unravel and it's super cute and then I am longing for now, this might be a bit shocking because I, th- I think people were very over this element of uh, the pandemic, but I'm longing for a Zoom quiz I've been invited to on Friday. Um, this is a Zoom quiz hosted by um, a friend of mine from my old, old work when I used to work at STA Travel. Um, and uh, she used to do quizzes <laughs> in the office that were like, so funny um and she would just do like random rounds where you had to like guess her favorite sandwich or um do like some just some really bizarre like trivia about like one one like program that was on in like the 80s once um and you have to and if you like got the questions you'd get like a million points so like in the really random rounds it meant that you could like really turn the tables on the whoever was leading um and she's just really good at writing really fun quizzes and she has uh, set up one um for like all of us who 
used to work at STA and I think that'll be really nice like and a nice like different group of people to spend time with on a Zoom and like reconnect with so I think it'd be quite cute it's quite a nice sort of event a bit of a social gathering so I am longing for that which is happening this Friday. Oh yeah I love it when a quiz is made by somebody who really loves quizzes that's the best. Yeah definitely yeah she's very into it it's very very funny um, and I, I I mean I I have previously won two of the big quizzes um I have a tote bag that was a prize which is stitched with um like STA Travel Cares quiz winner and I also also have this mug Cares oh, quiz on tour because we did it in a pub once why is it why is it called Cares oh because we right because we were the STA Travel Cares team aka customer service and complaints <laughs> <laughs> which means that we care <laughs> so yeah no it it should be a good time I think it's it's yeah it's nice to I mean I love a quiz at any point I know that zoom quizzes really like did the rounds at the beginning of the panny d and a lot of people got like sick to the teeth of them but I really didn't do that many which is sad to me so (laughs) I'm a huge quiz fan I did quite a lot through work and a couple of family ones but that was back in March and we're nearly at March now so my appetite is back baby (laughs) like we should we should we can have an anniversary quiz (laughs) Yeah, I think we need to. Absolutely. Okay, stunning. We'll uh, we'll look into that. So, Olivia, another week, another seven days of consuming things with your eyes, your ears, and I hope you've also eaten in that time. Uh, what have you been watching? Do you know what I was thinking about the other day? Um, I was thinking about that like thing that you always think about, which is like all of the foods piled up. Oh, love to think about that. <laughs> Which foods were you thinking about? Pasta. Of course. Pasta would be very, very, very high. Mounds and mounds. Yeah, I'd be like still wading through it since when I first thought about it the other day. I'm still just like, like Papadelli, getting guns from just wading through pure Papadelli. What, What interesting question. What do you think would be your most featured shape? Um, probably linguine. Really? Linguine would be low on mine. Might be penne, probably. <laughs> yeah, penne is pretty, pretty up there. Um, yeah, I don't really like fusilli. I don't like it that much, but it, I've eaten an awful lot of it. Yeah, I mean, I'll eat any pasta apart from angel hair, which I'm oh. opposed to. Um, Name, morally, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like like a fat pappardelle if the ragu is right and the time is right. So nice. So good. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> um, right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, films. <laughs> oh, Olivia, we've done it again. We've gone off on a sidebar about pasta. What are we like? But anyway, please tell me what films have you been watching? I know you've been watching some. Well, I've really gone from one extreme to the other this week. So... I watched um, The White Tiger, which is a film adaptation of the book, which I believe won the Man Booker in like 2001 or two or something. Or something. Yeah. Um, and I loved that book when it came out um, and and the film. I love a film. I don't know if like, does, does a film that follows like one central character through their kind of like life journey, is that like a genre of film? Yeah, what is definitely. That? Like a, it's sort of like a, sort of, sort of like biopic, isn't it? But like fiction, like yeah, like yeah, a, yeah like a fictional bi- biopic. Because yeah. I love biopics as well. Um, 
but yeah, that's like my favorite kind of film. So I love the book because of that, because it's just as like one central voice. And um, yeah, I loved the film. I thought it was really good. It is two minutes over two hours though, Lucy. So you might want to just think about it. Maybe just, maybe we just stop. Stop, it. <laughs> stop trolling me about the film length thing. I watched many long films. I watched a film which was two hours like 45 minutes the other day so (laughs) it's just that I think that a lot of films can be and should be 90 minutes and that a 90 minute film is a dream when it's late at night and you just want to watch something quick (laughs) no no I agree but the thing is now that you've said it you'll never let it go I can't not think about it every time I see how long a film is so um I can't But if you don't know anything about the book or about the film, it's basically about um, aspiration in modern India. It's about the caste system in India. And it's about how this one central character, Balram, um, goes from very sort of humble beginnings. And he's from what is considered to be a lower caste um, in India to um, a position of being an entrepreneur and how he kind of gets from one position to the other so you follow him from a child to an adult um, as he does that and it's like funny it's satirical it's um I think even more interesting to watch um 10 years on and it talks about the death of America and the rise of India and China as huge um socioeconomic powers and um yeah it's just a really interesting film and book so I'd recommend both yeah, no, that's that's good. I, it's really interestingly, I um I've never read White Tiger, and I know of it, but I've known of it like my whole you know life of knowing about books, I guess really. Um, and I uh, actually brought it back from my parents' house to read because I was like, I need to read this, so I will definitely be reading it, and um, especially after this review, and then watching the film as well. Yeah, I think I think you'll I think you'll love the book. Um, it seems like one that you would like a lot. You know me so well. <laughs> And then on the other end of the scale, last night, um, (laughs) don't ask me how this came to be, but I, for my sins, watched Magic Mike. Oh my God, Olivia. Tell me all about it. I, only a couple of years ago, for some very similar reason, I I don't know how it happened or why it happened, but I suddenly found myself watching Magic Mike. And I will tell you, I did not regret it. Did you regret it? Um, yeah, I think I probably did regret it, to be honest. <laughs> I thought it was great. It's such a good film. <laughs> well, no, I didn't think it was. I didn't, no, no. There was like, there were like good, good, good bits. So I really enjoyed Matthew McConaughey um, as himself. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed his character. What's he called? Like Viper or something. God, I don't remember. remember. My knowledge of it does not go that deep. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, he plays like the one who sort of organizes all of the strippers, doesn't he? So his character is really good. Um, I just thought for a film about strippers, there's not that much nakedness in it, to be honest. That is true. I, I know that people have said that about it and been like, wait, what? Like, where's all the where's all the where's all the stripping? Um, but um yeah, well, it's more about the the. It's more of a character story, isn't it? I guess really. Then yeah, I mean, what I thought, I thought it was gonna, I thought I was gonna be kind of um, dazzled by all of the like 
overstimulation of um, this life being a stripper and the club and the sort of glitz and glamour. And I kind of thought that was where it was headed in the first like five minutes. But then what ended up was like this kind of sepia art house film that had like a bit of stripping about it. Um, So I suppose in terms of like its power to surprise, it definitely did that because I wasn't really expecting it to be um, shot in the way that it was. Um, and I thought it was going to be a bit more like Hustlers or a bit more like Showgirls and be a bit more like that that tone. And it really just wasn't that tone at all. Um, so maybe it was more that I wanted to have the idea of what I wanted and that was the film I wanted to watch. And maybe it's good that Magic Mike surprised me in that way, but I don't know. Um, I thought it was okay. Yeah, well, I, interestingly, I think that's exactly sort of what happened. Sort of what happened to me in that, like, I expected it to be one thing, and it turned out to be very different from that. Um, but I, I was pleasantly supl- surprised by that, and was actually like, "Oh, this is actually all right." Like, I think I thought it would be like really um, quite like basic, barely any plot, barely any character development, blah blah blah. But actually, it does it does do some go some way to trying to do that. Um, I, I really liked it and but apparently Magic Mike what's it called Magic Mike XXL which I think is the second one apparently that is like um, uh, people say it's like oh we were wondering if there was a second one yeah Magic Mike XXL is apparently the like there's more of like a uh, uh, people say it's like a really like great like queer film in a sense like there's more queerness to it I think, I think there's like a they they sort of team up with or, or there's like I don't actually know but like there's like a, a drag act that they also like incorporate become like mates with and stuff or something so there's more like queerness to it so I think we should watch Magic Mike XXL <laughs> I think maybe we should is it on Netflix <laughs> let me just see uh no it's not damn but there is one there is one that's called Chocolate City Vegas Strip well there we go yeah, so okay. I think whilst Magic Mike number one might not be for you, Magic Mike XXL may be the one. So maybe we should give it a go. Yeah, and I think that there was um, a real lack of queering in Magic Mike one. So I'm very open to um, what they have in their back pockets or in their assless chaps for Mike Ma- Magic Mike XXL. But it also made me, um, seeing Channing Tatum doing what he does best, um, it made me really nostalgic for like all of those like dance films for like when we were at uni. Um, and I've, I've been starting like watching like loads of clips from like Step Up to the Streets and things like that. And I was thinking like, do do the kids have dance films anymore? Because that was like such a thing when we were teenagers. Is that a thing still? Or did it sort of end with high school musical? Because it kind of started a bit more cool and then with like Step Up and Honey and Save the Last Dance and things like that. And then it kind of, descended into high school musical and then maybe I just got older or it stopped I don't know but I love dance dance films as a genre yeah I I do feel like that's a genre that it's not really prevalent anymore is it I think that like the the height of like dance culture as well especially particularly like street dance culture that really like took off with, with those in the same time as like those films it's not so much a thing anymore like you know um so therefore like they're not really making films about it I can't think of any like recent ish dance heavy films um uh, it's interesting that you mentioned High School Musical because I for my sins only like a few weeks ago oh it was before Christmas but for the first time ever watched High School Musical I had never seen it before (laughs) 
Really? Which is sh- shocking, I know. And um, I didn't, I haven't, I haven't mentioned it yet because I was too ashamed. But um, uh, I like um, I, I know the songs. Right, I'm not, you know, I haven't been living under a rock. Um, and I know the general gist, but like I had never actually seen it end to end, like full on. And um, me, Izzy, and Adam watched it uh one day in like December. Um, oh my god obsessed loved it so much it's amazing (laughs) so much the songs are so good but high school musical 2 in my opinion is the best right yeah well we're gonna watch that um next we have said that we would definitely watch it um and that we would watch high school musical any day of the week because it's such such a mood lifter and i absolutely love um zach efron when he is doing like musical theater type films like like he is a musical theater kid like that like that is who he is and you know he's gone and done other films he's like being a bit cool but then when he comes back to the singing roles the dancing roles that's when I can see the real light in his eyes and I think I know who you are yeah and you think Zach's home (laughs) Zach's home (laughs) I totally agree um he really does shine shine a light on us all so um yeah uh yeah dance movies interesting i i don't know if, if they'll ever make a comeback because i feel like that kind of era is just behind us but i think it, it had like a very very stunning heyday and there are some really really good things that came out of it aka step up to the streets <laughs> yeah and i mean i wonder what like cool dancing is now because obviously there was like tiktok dancing but i don't know is that like is that what the dancing is now i don't know <laughs> That is the dancing now, isn't it? Because dancing, like dance crazes and stuff are, are, are all your little TikTok dances. Like, um, you know, so I'm, imagine a film made about TikTok. I bet there's one in, in the works. I bet there's one in the works about TikTok dancing. I think that, I don't know if it would work though, because the aesthetic of TikTok dancing is, now I'm not underestimating how difficult it must be to learn some of the routines because it probably is quite hard but I think the aesthetic is such that it's meant to look effortless um whereas like step up and honey and save the last dance are all quite effortful like it's all about agility and power so that sort of works for a film in terms of like amping up the like what's at stake and the sort of sense of spectacle but you're never going to get that with like some kids doing doja cat like a bit on tiktok it's not gonna be the same yeah. the uh, the jeopardy will be will it will your internet connection be good enough to uh, upload it to your tiktok <laughs> yeah the like what's yeah. at stake element um isn't isn't there in the same way because there needs to be like a lot of regionals and there needs to be a lot of finals and there are neither of those things on tiktok that's true. Okay. Well, I, I personally am pleased that there hopefully won't be a TikTok dance film um, and that it can stay where it belongs and on TikTok, which is, you know, great. Love it. But like, I think it's, it's, it's best in its purest form, just like Zac Efron. I think now is a better time than ever to talk about the film that we have both watched together over the past couple of weeks. In fact, in tandem, we watched this film. Um, and I know we talked about watching that we were going to watch it on a podcast previously. That's right. We have now watched so my grandma's a lesbian um right what to say about this film olivia would you like to just give a little maybe a little synopsis of what's going on sure i actually didn't know that it was called so my grandma's a lesbian um don't know whether that makes it better or it makes it worse (laughs) um so picture the scene 
you're in sunny Lanzarote, you've got the wind in your hair and your grandma's a lesbian. That is... <laughs> you summed it up perfectly. So basically, what what it is meant to be about is um, it's 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 a Spanish film and it's supposedly supposed to tell the story of a lesbian couple who are in their 70s who finally decide to come out to their family and friends and ultimately to get married and to like share the truth of their love because they've been together for decades basically their whole life after one of them had a child um and then they um, weren't with the like dad anymore then they got together so they've been together decades and decades and decades and that's what the film is supposed to be about but what the film is about is a very surly adult child who can't cope with the fact that her parents are a lesbian despite not even seeing any signs of um physical affection displayed on screen from the two lesbian characters, despite not taking any time to actually speak to the parents to understand about their relationship, to ask any questions or to center those characters in any way. So instead it was just basically about this um, main character being in a mood because she was worrying that it was going to overshadow her own wedding and um, potentially have a knock-on effect with her rich Scottish in-laws and also just decides to have an affair with this other guy who's in the family from like the village and um, makes it all about her and it was an absolute unmitigated disaster film and I don't agree with it. Yeah, absolutely. It was an incredible, incredible flop of a, of, a, of a film. I think, like, yeah, essentially, snared us in with the catchy title, snared us in with, I don't oh, agree it's with about it. some older lesbians. Isn't that lovely? And then, boom, basically the whole film is just about straight shame. Like, it just is. Like, it's just about these heterosexual people in, in their family having um, their grandparents having a family member come out to them and not being able to cope with it because it might uh, affect their lives too much. And it was just absolute dross. Like, oh my God, it was terrible. Like there was no, um, like th- this central character, the main, um, the granddaughter of the grandma who is a lesbian, um, was just almost villainous. She was not like nice in any way she didn't do anything that you really liked and like by the end there's sort of supposed to be like a sort of redemption arc for like them coming to terms with it and being like oh yeah actually this is so lovely let's let them have like a stunning wedding but like by the by the time you get there you hate them so much that you don't want them to have any redemption (laughs) it's just absolutely insane and then it's just littered as well with like just loads of weird chaos um, like plots, side plots that don't need to be there um, and just completely di- distract from like anything good and queer about the story. Um, uh, yeah, no, uh, just a really horrible, um, not good, uh, wasn't a fan, um, but Lanzarote looked very nice. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I, think, I think it's a real shame for a lot of reasons. Obviously what you've said being one of them, Um, But also that you never really see, I mean, 
there are enough issues with the lack of queer representation in in film anyway especially lesbian um representation but also showing um love between women who are older than mid 30s so you you never see something like that so it could have been a real opportunity to um center characters and character stories that we never see portrayed in film at all and to do something that actually unfortunately would have been quite um new interesting innovative and i just feel like they had a golden ticket to do that and instead i felt quite queer baited by the title and the blurbs that you see online. And actually it's it's nothing to do with that. And instead you see these characters be consistently sidelined and for um, the drama of the real central characters being massively magnified and centralized when actually like all of their drama and all the kind of what's at stake elements in the film are all made from, as you said, shame and, um, you know, fear of losing social standing um, and power. And I think actually that was the sort of real ugly truth of of the film. And um, I don't agree with it and I will not be recommending it. Yeah, no, do do not watch this film. (laughs) We we do not... uh want you to do that um it's not worth it at all um yeah a real um a real sad a real sad watch I mean it was nice to watch we watched it in a nice group a bunch of mates which was nice you know in a virtual sense um but like apart from that and you know having some jokes together it was um a waste of time so (laughs) do not watch this yeah can you can you can you think of one film that centralizes older lesbian characters no um i don't know if that I, that, that probably doesn't that doesn't mean that, that it doesn't exist it just means i haven't seen it or don't know of it um no particularly not anyone past their you know 30s or 40s god i, can, I can't think of any like older lesbian couples i can just think of like you know ones in their 30s and you know, like which is quite regular to have as like a lesbian time isn't it like you know you, they tend to be in film like in their 20s to 30s so it's rarer to yeah. have the very young like the the teens and it's rare to have the the a lot older uh characters um no it's a real shame and it should it should happen because it's it's a uh, it's 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 all part of the rich tapestry of life isn't it yeah. And I wonder if the reason for that is kind of to do with the value that's put on um, the lives of women through the kind of male gaze from a certain age. So like, if we think about something like Imagine Me and You, for example, where the big what's at stake is whether the main character is going to go through with her wedding to her fiance who is a man or leave all of that behind and go um, with this woman that she's fallen in love with. And I think that like, if you look at it through that lens, it's like a bit more of a, um, a shock, uh, like a shocking revelation that they would like jack in all of this like potential um, social clout to go and do something that is like entirely other. But then does that kind of what's at stake element hold the same way if you are like a woman in your, 70s well no not 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 through that lens anyway 
No, yeah, through the lens of the sort of patriarchy, etc. You're not as um uh oh god, like yeah, your your potential as a woman is very uh centered around a certain age. Um not this is not me, this is not what we would say at all. But no, uh no. yes, no, through that lens, that is the case. And therefore, you know, especially um in the past, what you know, people who really decided what films were made etc would not be interested in uh uh putting forward films about um older 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 love in general and especially like particularly you know older queer love definitely not um yeah w- one one film that does come to mind um that centers around older queer love is beginners have you seen that film no i've heard of it i've not seen it so beginners um stars the absolutely gorgeous Christopher Plummer RIP absolute legend um and he plays but basically it's about um a son a grown-up son kind of finding out about his father and his father's sexuality late in life so Christopher Plummer I think was 82 when he made this film and he plays um a 75 year old who kind of belatedly um shows his son like the truth of his life I suppose um and that that was a really good film so if you're looking for a film that kind of focuses around um older characters exploring sexuality then maybe that is a good recommendation yeah that sounds really good I will um I've I've, it's on my um I have a list of films to watch and that is actually on my list and uh I think maybe now more than ever very apt to watch um because of our dear dearly beloved uh Christopher Plummer who will be sorely missed yeah, and did you know that um, Christopher Plummer didn't actually um, like Sound of Music? Yes, I did. I saw that sort of quote that came out from like a, someone's book that they'd written about like bumping into him and him being like, I feel, what was it? He said something like, oh, I feel like I'm, oh, I can't remember what he said, but that basically essentially he like wanted it to all be over. And um, I was going to send it to our group, but I was like, no, it's too fresh. We're going to, I'm not going to do that now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, apparently he did warm to it in like the latter stages of his life because he realized like what it did for so many people and the legacy of it. But I suppose like many actors, they want to be like seen in a serious way. And he thought that the film was like too saccharine, but it's based on real life. So you can't get any realer than that, Georg, come on. And, um, you know, there's just no denying the true absolute majesty of that film and um we need to rewatch it in homage to christopher Plummer because what a gent and what a man absolutely yeah we will be doing that um yeah i haven't i haven't watched sound music in in a very long time so that will be very welcome so obviously as mentioned my i don't agree with it for this week is so my grandma's a lesbian and it's not that i don't agree with grandmas being lesbians in fact i encourage it but it is that I don't agree with that film for all of the reasons that we just said. But there is someone on this Zoom who has not mentioned their I don't agree with it for this week. And it is you, Lucy. What is it that you don't agree with this week? Well, obviously I'm on board with also not agreeing with that terrible film, but um, I do have an I don't agree with it um, to bring to the table or to the Zoom, the virtual table. Um, I don't agree and with that it. that is, right now, interestingly, I know that um, a couple of weeks ago I had my I don't agree with it being people saying street food to just mean like some sort of food. Um, and 
interestingly, I've got a very similar sort of food related, I don't agree with it, um, in terms of how people t- uh, talk about certain foods, etc. Um, I think that's because maybe food is the only thing that's happening in my life at the moment. Um, and therefore, I've been thinking a lot about food, etc. Um, and that is my I don't agree with it is I hate I absolutely hate <laughs> when people say certain things um about food it'll make sense when i when i give examples where they basically are saying the name of the thing in its original language and then they are saying the thing in english and they don't and they don't they think it's it's like saying it so for example the two the, the two main ones are when like chicken katsu curry yeah kind of but more even more obvious ones so right like and right i, I will caveat this afterwards but my two main examples are when people say bao bun because bao literally means bun. <laughs> uh, yeah. And when people yeah. say chai tea, because chai is tea. <laughs> like, it drives me insane. Yeah. And I do get, I do get that maybe you don't, not everyone knows what the word means. And like, of course, you're not like expected to know what every word means in every language. Of course not. But like, it just would, I just, I hate bao bun the most. <laughs> because, and I think I really hate it because they would do it. They did it on, I think on Bake Off, they did like a bao um they did bows in one of the seasons maybe the most recent one and they kept going oh bow buns bow buns they're gonna fill their bow buns with this and i'm like no they're just gonna fill their bow with that yeah. you wouldn't you would you wouldn't like oh just drive me insane <laughs> well i think i think like like you say there isn't an expectation that like everybody should know every word in every language but i do think to an extent the onus is on the people who are let's face it um appropriating foods from certain cultures and um westernizing them or profiteering off them in a western context so they're the people who are involved in like positioning these foods in like a an aspirational way or in a exactly in, in terms of marketing and in terms of how they're like putting this forward so it's really on those people who are um introducing um western people to those foods to have a duty of like care and responsibility in how they name them and how they produce them and how they refer to them so that like down the line there isn't that like cognitive dissonance and people are saying chai tea or people are saying bao bun but that's how people learn what these foods are and they're just like sort of overly anglicized to the point that like it doesn't make sense anymore yeah Exactly. And I guess especially in in terms of like, you know, on Bake Off, right, if you have a platform to people might not have seen a bow before or they sort of haven't been like, oh, I've always wondered what those are or whatever. You have the exact point where you can like be telling people about them and, you know, educating people about them and to do it in the way that makes it easiest for us, the white English viewers, uh, is just like, no, I don't agree with it. So just like my street food one, um, you have uh, very aptly pointed out that what I really don't agree with is appropriation. <laughs> and that is true. But on a non-food related note, it does annoy me when people do this similar thing for other things. So, so for example, when people, this, it's just, this is so, right, wait one second. When people, when people say like pin number, because pin is personal identification number. So you're saying personal identification number number. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I never just, even thought about that. It's, it's fine, obviously. And obviously I've become a cantankerous old witch in this, this year because I, there's nothing else to do. I can't, there's no more joy. So <laughs> I'm just I feel like that's not, 
I feel like I understand why you're annoyed, but I feel like that's not as annoying because that's just like an issue of like modern parlance rather than yeah, that's like, way less annoying. But yeah, I was just trying to yeah. give maybe some other examples. But my main thing is definitely the gripe with the food thing and with the with the the lang the language uh, mash definitely. Yeah, that um, that is a bad yeah. one, and I don't agree with that either. So that that's that was a good one this week. So I happen to know that there is something that we both completely agree with, um, and that is <laughs> listening to music. <laughs> That's right. It's time for Drag of the Week, everybody. <laughs> Olivia, what's your Drag of the Week? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, my Drag of the Week comes from the new album by Demi Devil. Have you listened to this? No, I have not. Oh, it's so fab. It's Never like... even heard of Demi Devil. So there's not that many songs. Three, four, five, six. Like <laughs> so there's 10 songs on the album. It came out um, in January last month. And um, yeah, the song that I like from it is like a reimagining of Skater Boy. So again, it is um, something to do with Avril Lavigne, like my one last week. And this one is called Later Boy. And it includes such lyrics as he was a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy. He wasn't good enough for her. She's not a therapist. Don't want to take care of him. She's an independent girl. And um, I'm going to leave it to you to go and peruse the album and peruse the rest of that song because those lyrics are probably um, the most like PG. Um, I would say if you're looking for something a little bit more on the saucy side, you could also try, which was really up, up there, um as a contender for my track of the week this week as well you could try slumber party which is a collaboration between ash nico and princess nokia so you can imagine the majesty that sounds stunning i love princess nokia and it's very very sapphic so please go and enjoy the whole album um you will love it and especially enjoy slumber party because that is a bit all I'll say is if you're one of the few people working in an office, maybe just make sure that your headphones are definitely like Bluetooth connected to your phone because um there are some there's some there's some bits in the album. But no, it's a good album. Say. Yeah. It's there's it's evocative. So um listen to that, enjoy it, and appreciate Ash Nico because you should be. That sounds like a stunning wreck. We will definitely uh be listening to that myself. And what is your track of the week, Lucy? So my track of the week is, um, it's a, a remix from one of the songs off of Perfume Genius's most recent album, which I know we've mentioned before, uh, came out last year and is called Set My Heart on Fire Immediately. That's the album, which I think is just such a good name from an album and a very, it's like a proper, like, um, it's very much a mood, I think, that, that album title. Um, and Perfume Genius is uh, a really great artist um, and a really great queer artist as well. So definitely check out Perfume Genius if you haven't before. But um, I came across, I think it just came up on like one of my, um, you know, one of my Spotify sort of like made for you uh, playlist which can um, garner some results uh, is a remix of, it's a it's called Bo- boy harsher remix of your body changes everything and it's just got like a really great beat it um, sort of elevates the song a bit um, and I'm just really into that at the moment so that is my track of the week check it out oh, stunning so that about wraps it up for the week if you um, are at a loose end at any point 
um, this weekend, this uh, this week, at any point, why don't you um, like and subscribe our podcast on whichever platform you listen to it on and leave a review because that truly is the way to the heart of a podcast um, and is the way to really support us. We would love that. Um, and similarly, if you don't already follow us on social media, you can do so. We are at Queer Longing on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to email us for any reason, we are queerlonging at gmail.com. We really do love to hear from you. Um, so whilst I go away and draw up a beautiful handmade painted uh, menu for the meal I will be cooking Olivia when we're eventually allowed to be cooking <laughs> and displaying our love languages to each other, <laughs> we will be loving you, leaving you, and longing for you. Until next time. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> One sec. Do 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 do. Take a sad song and make it better. Make it better. Make it better. Make it better.